0: Hey everyone, if you're around the Nashville area, Saturday, January 25th, Zach and I are doing a presentation as part of a Drum Day event at Lane Music in Brentwood. That's 1 p.m. Saturday, January 25th, 2020. The address is 1625 Galleria Boulevard. Zach and I are very honored to be a part of this Drum Day, hosted by our friend Ben Hands. The day will feature a presentation by Jeff Brown. And lastly, the day will feature Jared Pope. Jared will perform and give drum tips about playing many genres of music. All three of these people, Ben Hands, Jared, and Jeff, were all podcast alum, and we're just excited to be a part of this. So join us for drum day with Jared Pope, Jeff Brown, and the podcast Working Drummer, Saturday, January 25th at 1 p.m. at Lane Music in Brentwood.
1: This is the Working Drummer Podcast. Working Drummer Podcast. Featuring ground-level pros from all styles and regions. Real drummers with real stories about making a living in music.
0: Hey everyone, this is Matthew Krause and you are listening to the podcast Working Drummer. Today my guest is drummer, producer, and career coach Matt Starr. A lot of us recognize Matt's name from his work with Ace Frehley and the band Mr. Big. In the studio, Matt's recorded with producers that have worked with many different artists such as Mick Jagger, Joan Jett, Madonna, Kiss, Tom Petty, ACDC, and Aerosmith, just to name a few. Matt is the quintessential rock and roll drummer, yet he stays focused on balance, whether it's career, whether it's personal, whether it's spiritual. I guess you could say he, he breaks a lot of stereotypes, maybe as far as what we think of as uh, the rock and roller that's thinking about nothing but music and girls. Uh, Matt's got his head on straight and uh, definitely worth digging in deep into the conversation here and beyond. So check him out at uh, mattstarmusic.com when you get a chance. As you know, Zach and I have this event coming up on the 25th here. We're very excited to be a part of a Drum Day event with uh, Jeff Brown and Jared Pope. As Zach and I were speaking over FaceTime together, preparing for this and going over our notes, I got the text about Neil Pert's passing. A couple days later, Zach wrote something on his Instagram feed, and I just I think it's perfect, and I, and I want to read it here. So Zach writes... Ringo was my first guy when I was a little kid, but hearing Tom Sawyer, YYZ, Limelight, Free Will, at al. for the first time, I had the experience I think most of us had. Our young brains melting down with excitement and confusion. Wait, that's possible? The drums can do that? I immediately became another one of the professor's indirect pupils, recreating every meticulously composed groove and perfectly placed fill. So ensued a decades-long master class in how the drums can be not just the supportive accompaniment, but the driving creative force in a rock song. Neil's cerebral process and stoic performance style belied his deep humanity. He had the humility to strip his technique to the studs in the middle of his career. He had the perspective to step away from music for a time when tragedy struck. He had the curiosity to travel the world, learning about all kinds of music and cultures. He had the respect to learn from and pay tribute to his heroes. He was fully aware of his own hero status, but never sought to exploit or revel in it. He just kept making records and playing shows, striving for the next thing he did to be better than the last. Better in his own mind, most importantly. I can't think of a drummer who did more to advance and expand the scope of the instrument. Yes, the drums can do that, because Neil did it first. My co-host, Zach Albetta. Friend of the podcast, Brian Stevens, has produced some exclusive content for our Patreon page. He put together a 50-minute video, a great tutorial on preparing to record and how to analyze your recording chops. I encourage you to check out our Patreon page. For even as little as a dollar, you can access the video and the bonus content that's on there. And like I said most recently, is Brian Stevens' 50-minute video that is It's just so well-produced and well-done, and we thank Brian for for doing that. As always, you can find us at WorkingDrummer.net to find out more information about this episode and all the episodes that we've done so far in the last three and a half years. Subscribe to us on iTunes. You can find us now on YouTube. We are slowly building our library of past episodes. Here's my conversation with Matt Starr
1: for me it's all about a physical balance you know and so for me the best thing i can do to have a good show is to make sure that i'm centered in my heart and my mind mm-hmm. you know and not before picking up sticks you know it that permeates everything so i've had gigs where i've played and then another drummer gets up and sits in for a song <clears throat> and all of a sudden the snare drum sounds really tight and choked and I'm like, oh, he's somewhere either starting in his mind or how he's holding the stick or his arm or his back or his neck or his f- – somewhere he's tense. Yeah. Now that can be a sound. You know, someone has a crisp, snappy kind of wound up sound. That can be – that's their sound. But everybody's different. And So for me, I always wanted to go for the biggest, most open sound, like the drummers whose whose tone I really love – you know guys like uh John Bonham or Bobby Chenard, you know that kind of big wide open sound uh, Roger Taylor from Queen had it too yeah so that all starts for me you know with more where my mind's at where my heart's at and just being really present and relaxed and so as far as picking a stick I wanted to get the heaviest stick I could get and still play 32nd notes. So basically if I could play burn by deep purple (laughs) with that stick, cool. And I tried it with a two B and I couldn't do it. It was too much work. So I play, I play Vader's and I play power five B. So it's a five B, but a little bit longer, a little bit fatter. And that gives me what I need. Yeah. But like we live on earth and there's a certain amount of gravity due to the size of the earth. And so, let the earth and the gravity do the work for you. And so, what I when I would do drum lessons, I just take their stick and go. Okay, I'm going to hold it up like a foot off the drum, and I'm going to drop it, and it hits the drum. Okay, it's that loud for free. You don't have to do anything.
0: So if you <laughs> free.
1: want it to be louder, yeah, go ahead. But just know that you got you're starting. That's you're not starting out at zero. You're starting out at this. And so, you know, I went through the Buddy Rich book when I was younger, and. Um, the guy who taught me was actually uh, David Eagle, who I saw him playing for Hunt Sales, who was also a drummer, play with Bowie and Tim Machine. And um, so it was basically you're kind of throwing the stick at the drum. And then when it would hit, you would just stop it from bouncing a second time. Gotcha. So it's very, <clears throat> very relaxed and very open sounding. but. A lot of times, people try and guide the stick the whole way down. It's like, no, nah, just throw it. Just don't let it fall out of your hands. So when I'm playing, I'm sitting there wailing away. At any point, if you just pulled the stick out of my hand, it would come right out. Right. I'm not holding onto that stick at all. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and and also too, like if I'm getting a little tired, I'll I'll hit the drum, and then I'll literally. Open my hand, and let go of the stick, and just the drum just sits there for a sec, a split second, just to give me some. You know, just if I just want to give my hand a little stretch. <clears throat> so, um, a lot of guys make a lot of noise, but it's not very articulate, or it's not big. And I want big. Yeah, you know, yeah. I want big. So I, I always, to me, like the heaviest of metal is Beethoven, you know, <laughs> or Wagner, or, you know, where mm-hmm. you've got a hundred people in this place with no microphones and they're all playing together. And it's just this huge, massive sound. That's, that's what I want, you know, musically, that's the biggest, most powerful thing. So I'm always kind of thinking along those lines and in those terms. So that, that determines a lot of the choices I make, but definitely about, you know, how I hit the drums and and recognizing again to just be relaxing. What I would also do is, Play the invisible drum set. Even, even thinking. I mean, this is drummer talk, so we can kind of get into it. But (laughs) it just like if you think through a part of a song that you have trouble with, you will feel your mind speed up and tense up on that part that you have problems with. Right. You don't even have to be moving your arms. And so that's when I've done that. I go, holy shit! That's where it is. It starts there. Yes. It's not about the fact that I got to reach the rack and then the floor. Like that's that. That can be another issue, but it's it's in my brain, you know. So yes. as I'm thinking about the song, as it's go, here comes that thing. Oh, uh, you know, and your brain's getting it's like, dude, that's the part that you got to fix, you know. So, um, and to really keep a consistent, what I'll do is I'll try and find is there anything through this section or through this fill or whatever it is that's consistent that's playing a quarter note or an eighth note that I can lock into and that's Mm -hmm. my anchor. And then I'm going to base the fill off, uh, base the rest of it off of that. Yeah. You know, so, um, I was thinking about something the other day. Oh yeah. I just saw Dave Grohl play on Saturday night, which is of course awesome. Yeah. Um, So it was him and Chris Novoselic and Pat Smear, and then they had Dave's daughter sang a song, and then uh, Annie from a band called Saint Vincent she sang a song. But anyway, it's at this event. But I got to see Dave Grohl playing; I've never seen him play live before. So, you know, they did Lithium, and it's got that chorus. I like it. I'm not gonna crack that thing. And so that beat is doom, boom, 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 boom. But that boom, 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 like I played that at a. So I sat in and they were like, hey, you know, Lithium? I go, yeah, sure. I really needed to keep that. You, The tendency is to speed up on that. Right. And so, well, like, how do you keep it locked? And he actually kept it locked and even pulled back a little bit on that which is something else that's a kind of another level where if there's more stuff going on, you can actually slow down. Singers sometimes freak out. But <clears throat> I learned that from doing a gig with this band called Love Hate. <clears throat> and the drummer Joey Gold, they would have some some, some kind of like you know dun-ga-doon, 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 dun-ga. And when he would go to that mm-hmm. th- that eighth note kick drum, he'd actually slow down because it's intense enough. Yeah, it's it's constant. So you can just pull in. if you keep it right at right at tempo, it gets a little too pushy. So just you can sit back and it gets a little sinister. And so <clears throat> that was something I, I learned from, from doing that gig many years ago. But to, to just wrap up on the growl thing, so that boom bra boom bra, you know, he actually comes back a little bit. So <clears throat> I said, well, what's the anchor on that? Anyway, I was thinking out on the way home. And it's like, well, it's, it's the kick. Don't get into the lyrics. Don't get into the flams, which is super exciting. Just listen to the kick. It's boom-boom-boom. Boom, 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 boom. That's it. That's the thing. Forget about the boom, 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 because you're going to get all worked up because you're excited as I am to hit a flam. Anytime a flam comes my way, I love it. But it's the kick. Again, boom, 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 Doom! boom, 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 Doom! boom. So get that locked in and then just have everything else go around it. But if you feel that leg push during that part, nope, back it up, back it up. It's, yeah. just, it's just that you know and so what's that anchor that i can musically anchor to but also physically anchor to and listen to the spacing between the notes that's the other thing it's like that's why i've been fortunate to not do gigs where i play to a click live or play to tracks <clears throat> so with mr big Jolan turn race freely you know, all this stuff there's no tracks there's no clicks and i can you know it changes because it depends on the size of the room
0: interesting yeah
1: You know, it's like Mm -hmm. the decay in the room and how much time it takes for the bass to get out there and come back like that all that all factors in there. And it's going to sound if you have somebody who's playing who's in tune with that, it's going to sound a little bit better, Mm -hmm. you know, just a little bit. But you got to listen. You know, you got to listen to the to the space. But it's all about that space. All about that space.
0: When you talk about things that are busy as a time to lay it back, are you talking about the drum part or other instrumental parts?
1: Well, either, you know, mm-hmm. if a lot of stuff's going on, I'm going to try and stay out of the way. Sure. And that was something that I learned, you know, playing with Mr. Big. There'd be times when the guitar and bass would be going, <laughs> <laughs> in unison, <laughs> <laughs> and it was super tight. Yeah. <laughs> but the drums usually weren't doing that. The drums were just plowing straight through. So the, what Pat Torpy was playing yeah. was more of a, do <Pharisa! sniffs> boom, 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 just supporting it, but not getting involved. Let them do it. (laughs) Or there would be other things that were exactly syncopated. And that usually was a Paul Gilbert thing that he wrote the lick. And then he also said, and I wrote this drum part. It goes like this. Oh, wow. And so it'd be digga, 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 you know, and everybody would play the same thing. And that's another part of it. So, yeah, if there's more going on, I'm going to try and play less. My goal is always how, how few notes can I put in here and still have this thing rock. And so what I've been doing a lot over the last couple of years with the Ace Frehley stuff, you know, most of it's Peter, Chris stuff, and some of it's Anton. Anton kind of has a heavy quarter, don't feel on that stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. Peter's more of an eighth note. It's like Peter, Chris, Joey Kramer, Alex Van Halen, mm-hmm. they all have this. And they're al- and they're always going boom boom bat boom boom bat boom boom bat like that beat just goes over kind of a million different riffs. Yeah. And so, but with the kiss stuff, I try and you know maybe pull it back a hair, and then I'm like, can I take some of these eighth notes out? You know, if it needs to be like a, you know, like a deliberate accented on every single note thing, you know, like you can't can't pull that out. But can I just do quarter notes? How about that? You know, can I play quarter notes on the hat? And how many notes can I take out and still have this thing work? Right. And it just opens up, it just makes more room for, for everybody else. And that's kind of like a Vinny Appice thing because Vinny is just like a master of leaving these giant holes. And I'm like, this song's in time, but I swear to God, that gap he just left was like two minutes long. <laughs> you know, I feel like he's bending time. And I that's just something he does, or he'll do a fill and he'll stop on the four, not the and he'll go yeah. dun, 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 in this huge hole. Uh-huh. And so again, how how few crashes can I hit? How how long can I play this same groove for before I have to change it? Because if I'm gonna change the scene, it better I better have a damn good And sometimes it's just because what you're doing doesn't work anymore, or maybe the song is a little monotonous, and yeah, you need to kind of change it up with something. But uh, if it's a well-written song, it usually plays itself.
0: It's so great. Billy Ward talks about that, like playing the fill. Do you stop on one? Do you play through? And it's creating that space, and that intentionality can create that vibe in the song or maybe in the space, like you said, the venue you're playing at, you may choose to end on four where maybe the day before you didn't, you played through. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, Absolutely. And I think that a lot of us are so caught up with you know, playing a lot of notes or making sure that we're supporting the rhythm section with eights and sixteenths and, and these other things that just... Creating space for everyone to to work and groove, especially if you're in a if you're working with a band that can play time and groove, which is which is a blessing.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. It's like that. That's definitely a, an aspect to it. And um, if you are fortunate enough to be in a band, yeah, with people that can play, yeah, and make it happen, yeah, then let them. You
0: yeah, know? yeah. Let
1: them. It's it's like. Um, you know, like ACDC, you know, say you're producing ACDC, you go, okay, guys, we're going to cut drums on Monday and bass on Tuesday. It's like, wait, <laughs> why don't you just let them play, dude? I know. Like you, <laughs> you just put, put up the mics, record, and then go to lunch. I mean, you know, it's like, and so that's the same thing if you're playing with cats. Again, if you're blessed enough to, like you said, be able to work with guys or gals that can do it. Let them do it, and if they can't, then okay, yeah, maybe you got to put some more ghost notes in there or something to kind of help out. But see see where things fall. I think, I think in in life and in in all relationships, people, you know, it, it, you want to fill up the space. You know, you don't want to sit and have a conversation and make it feel like you're in an elevator. You know, these awkward pauses and all. You, we got to fill it up. We got to fill it up. We got to fill it. This relax, man you know, take your time. Yeah. Think about your words, chill it out. And then the same thing with the music is to just relax and let the space happen. How much space can you allow? And look, I'm, I'm, I, I enjoy creating space, but I still go, "Ah, I want to, I want to fill that space or I'm afraid to let it just, you know, wait to the very last minute before I bring in that flam or whatever. And there's just a lot of power in that. And it's. I think it's also kind of exerting the control. When I've seen bands that have done that, I remember the first band I saw that did that was a band called The Bullet Boys, which was like a late 80s.
0: Yeah, I remember that. Sure.
1: And G- Jimmy DeAnda, the drummer, fucking blew my mind. And um, they would hit accents. I mean, they would you know slow things down ridiculously for some section. Or even a whole part of a song would just drop like 10 BPM. I mean, crazy. They were clearly, you know, obviously doing it on purpose. And I was like, holy shit, this guy has got full control of this. It was, it was like, wow. They weren't, they're not just hammering through the tunes. It's like these guys are really, these are adults and they're making decisions (laughs) and they're taking chances and they're, and they're, they are in control of this. It's like it's one thing to come out and rock and just like, you know, like the Ramones, who I love to just bam, to just hammer through. And that's a skill. But to go, you know, we're going to we're going to control this thing. We're going to mess with you a little bit. We're going to milk it. It's like, whoa.
0: There's a bass player I've been working with for the last couple of years. And and one of the uh, the one of the things that he says to me that that just cracks me up, he goes, I like playing with you, man. You play like an adult. <laughs> I'm like, well because I'm old, you know, and uh, hopefully that resonates somehow. But when he first said that to me, I'm like, what does that mean? I I think it means because I know what I'm capable of doing and I don't do any more than that. And I just I'm just worried about time. And he's a fabulous player and I just leave room for him. But um, I just that it just cracks me up when he says that. I want to ask you about you mentioned you center yourself. You get your heart and your mind ready what is it? Is there something that you do to
1: get there? Yeah, I mean it's it's a lifelong process, you know. So I know like Dave Bielich is big on this too. I see his, his posts, and we're you know we know each other, and and he talks a lot about that too. And it's it's a lifelong pursuit. It's something I want for my own personal life. I want that to be infused into my marriage, my relationship with my kids, my relationship with the rest of the world. But yeah, to just get centered, you know, there's certain people that I've met and they're incredibly successful and they're incredibly calm and present, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you know, and talking about things that are big, huge deals, a lot of responsibility, a lot of money, a lot of this, a lot of that. And they're just calm just calm about it you know and so um that's something that that was remarkable to me you know that that was striking and after i got home hanging out with this person i'm like wow yeah i'm gonna be more like that i like that that felt good you know and, and it's relaxing to be around them you know it's calm but it's so i say so you started with just like taking words like just i just wanted to no no, no. I, I just wanted to if i could add even as I'm doing that impression, I'm leaning forward. I'm like trying to make myself small, is to not inconvenience you with my existence, you know? Interesting. And it's like, no, take that word out. Yeah. You know? Or I'm, you know, I, women do this a lot. You know, I'm sorry, but I, I get, what are you, what are you apologizing for? You know, you're asking the waitress for more ketchup. It's like, that's her, you know, be respectful, yeah. but that's her job. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you feel like you're you feel like you're working her, then give her a bigger tip. But like, you have know, to so apologize. You know, so it starts with that. And so, actual practical things. Meditation's a great one. Again, at, there's times in my life when I do it more. There's times when I do it less, but I try to do it every day, and uh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, prayer's another one. Mm-hmm. And then also just spending time thinking about things, like devoting time to thinking about something, devoting time to okay, I, you know, this is my well. First of all, get figure out what even your goals are. But you know, this is and this crosses over into my career coaching stuff and workshops that I do. But like, what do you? What, what is it that the I want to do? And then, okay, how do I do that? How would I? What What would be the I don't need to know them all. I just need to know the next one. Yeah. You know, then the one after that will reveal itself. But think about it. How can I do that? How can I? And you keep saying, if you just ask questions, whoever's listening, God, the universe, Buddha, Mm -hmm. you know, the crow outside your window, whatever you're talking to, you're going to get the answer back, you know, just keep searching, keep searching. So those are some more like practical things. And so then the day of the show, I have, you know i say you're not going to get better the day of the show mm. you know what i mean so if you're not, if you're like a frantic crazy person and you're okay i got to today i have a show i got to get centered well, i mean good luck you know do what you can but this is something that needs to happen every day and then you know how to do it after that show you will be better but also too like if you're not prepared and then you get to the gig and you're like okay i got to practice a bunch before the gig oh forget that go have dinner <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that, you're not going to get any better the day of the show. As soon as the show's over, you will have immediately have gotten better. But you're not going to get any better that day. So, um, you know. But I'll give you an example. Like we played the first time I played Budokan with Mr. Big. (coughs) It was the night before. I was so excited. I grew up, you know, listening to Cheap Trick live at Budokan, one of my favorite records of all time. I'm like, I'm kind of freaking out. You know, not in a bad way, but I'm just I'm really excited. We're staying at the Conrad Hilton, which is like a gorgeous hotel in the harbor in Tokyo, and like it's it's rocking, man. And, and they tell me like a week before, oh, by the way, we're gonna shoot a DVD, so there's gonna be like 20 cameras on stage. I'm like, awesome, you know, cool. So but I'm having a hard time falling asleep and I'm thinking, I gotta get to sleep, I gotta do this, I gotta do this. Yeah. It's like, dude, that's where I realized being nervous, like scared in a, in a, in a negative situation feels exactly the same as being excited. Hmm. And I don't know about it, you know, uh, from a doctor standpoint, but it, th- phys- the physical sensation is exactly the same. And so I realized, Oh yeah. So I'm like, I'm feeling nervous. Why? Cause I'm going to play Budokan, man. This is, that's why yeah it's not because something bad i'm not thinking i'm gonna drop a stick i'm just excited and so to recognize that that excitement it, again it feels like discomfort you know but the day of the show i just why well, not how to do this let me let me walk through my parts let me walk through each song in my head mm-hmm. let me walk <laughs> through each song physically, like, okay, high hand, and then I go, and hit that crash over there, and then double hand, two-handed crash hit there, and then on the floor tom, and then come back. You know, like, just physically walk through it as you walk through, like, a golf swing or something. Sure. And then just make sure I warmed up, but not too much. Don't get crazy. I've had times I go, I'm really going to stretch tonight. And I'm like, I stretched too much. I ended up pulling something, you know. Just, like, for me to stretch throughout the day. Gotcha. Rather than stretch for an hour before a gig. It's like, no, I just stretch when I wake up, do some yoga, and then as I'm walking through my day, just stretch as I'm going along and then by the showtime, I'm good. So um yeah, it's it's never too late to start anything and uh and then the more you do it, then you get into a situation you'll be able to calibrate where you're at.
0: Over time, having that experience,
1: yeah, and then you know you'll get into a new situation, and you'll and you'll you know like I as I the more I play, I just get more and more relaxed. But like, here's an example, like I. Just, so I have a few Swedish friends, and they turn me onto this Swedish snooze. So it's it's like sort of like chewing tobacco, but you're not spitting, and it's a, it's whatever. It's 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 a nice little head buzz, and I'm a cigar smoker, and so like when well, I get on the tour bus, you can't smoke a cigar if it's yeah. cold out in your middle of Europe. So I go, oh, let me get some snus. So I just pop one in there, ah, a little nice buzz. Okay, good. So, but before I play, I always I always t- take one of those right and pop it in my mouth about five minutes before. So we're playing in L.A and John five is there. John's John's, you know, someone I've met before and Nikki six was there and I shot at the devil, Tommy Lee. I mean, that was like a life changer for Mm -hmm. me. So, so I met Nikki was very nice. Cool. Okay. So we're like, you know, all hanging out and then, okay, it's showtime. And I pop one of those things in and I'm waiting for the kind of the little, little mellow kind of a downshift that happens. And I'm like, it's not happening. I'm like, oh, I'm a little excited. I'm a little more excited than normal. And I and then I thought, well, maybe I should take another one. And like, and then my adult brain went, no, idiot, stop. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, you know, I need I need another beer. I should drink three beers. That would make. But but I realized like, okay, I know how I normally feel, and tonight I did my routine, and I'm not. I'm feeling a little bit more amped up. Okay, that's cool. No worries. Yeah, You know? No worries. That's fine. Just to be acknowledged. And and the last thing I'll say in this is before I walk out on stage or once I walk out on stage, at some point I put my knee to the ground and I say, God, you play through me. You know these songs. You wrote these songs. Help me to lay down a solid foundation for these people on stage and to do my job.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And that's it. And so that just takes it out of my hands and I don't have to kick, blow anybody away. I don't have to impress anybody. I don't have to put on the most rocking show. Ever. I'm here to do a job and you just you just play through me and, and we're good to go. So that kind of – that will also kind of center me because, yeah, you know, th- when you got nerves, the nerves is about thinking you're going to look bad or you're going to – you, 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 you. you, you know, right. You're thinking about yourself. Right. So if I just say – this has nothing to do with me. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just making the fries at McDonald's. You know, I go to speak to corporations as a motivational speaker, and I say, you know, I don't know what you guys are thinking when you're looking at me, but we're both employees. Mm-hmm. You know, my boss is Ace Frehley, or you know, the guys of Mr. Big or Jolyn Turner or whoever, but th- I am hired to do a job and provide a service. <clears throat> and that might take like the fun and the rock and roll out of it for some people. But for me, it's centering and it's, it's humbling in a good way and it keeps me out of it. So like some artists I've worked with, you know, they ask your opinion, but they don't want it. They just want you to confirm that what they were thinking is right. And that's cool. Then that's my job to do that. And right. if someone genuinely right. wants my opinion, well, then I can give that too. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I just did <clears throat> earlier this year, a record with a band called black Swan, which I'm actually a member of. And so I had to kind of switch my thinking. Cause I'm like, I get in there and Jeff Pilson, the bass player was producing it. And Jeff was a blast to work with, but there'd be things and he'd go, I, I really think like, it's, you know, I like this p- when you do it this way. And I'm like, <sighs> And I said, you know, let me try it a couple, uh, let me try it again, because I'm, and I felt almost uncomfortable to bring it up. But it's like, no, no, I'm a member of this band.
0: Right. It's a difference. Like
1: he, he, he is the producer and Mm -hmm. everything, but, but I'm so used to being, I'm just agreeable. It's like, it's cool, man. It's going to be awesome no matter what it is, you know? So it's, it's fine. just do whatever the, you know, the, the person who's in charge wants, but it's like, oh no, I'm a, I'm an equal guy. Like, you know. And I'm like, okay, you know what? I really, actually, that part's cool, but it needs to go a little more this way, and so you know, different things like that. Um,
0: but there's still a method to that. That in communicating and being respectful of each other's, if, if you're a, even if you're a member, you know, there, there's a there's a technique to that. You know,
1: absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's you know, look, it's all relationships, and it's all about you know being. Uh, making positive contributions. And so, yeah, there's a way to say anything. Um, you know, and so that, yeah, I I think there's been guys who I've seen, uh, you know, I had records of theirs when I was a kid and I'm like, whatever happened to that guy? Why didn't that guy do more stuff? And I meet that guy and I, in five minutes, I know why. (laughs) And that's not, you know, an insult to that guy or what he did on that record or, you know, their contribution at whatever point in time, but you realize yeah, this would be tough to get along with. It.
0: Yeah, we want you know? name, we want names, Matt. Come on, give us names. Not kidding. Nope.
1: Nope. <laughs> hey, I was
0: I was going to save this for later for later, but this this is an important. This is related to what we're talking about. Um we had the wonderful opportunity to interview Pat Torpey back in 20 late 2017. Yes, uh, episode, w- episode 140. Um, it, it was just a joy to speak to, and the Nashville community, the drumming community, did a tribute to him, and um, it was great. Billy Sheehan was, was there, mm-hmm. it was great. Um, anyways, I, he was talking about the time in the studio, having you there and recording with Mr. Big, and uh, he said uh, just a couple things, just it, it was like one drummer with two brains you know and how <laughs> how easily you made adjustments based on the I, the collective ideas that were brought up by, by him and you and going in and, and just how professional it, it all was and how much he enjoyed that. And uh, I was just re-listening to part of that interview actually this morning before our conversation, and um, it was really cool. And he's like, you know, it, it just comes down to being surrounded by just good people, you know, I, I just reinforced that. This is what we're talking about now.
1: Yeah. yeah, well, that's I appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, Pat was that's awesome. And I love, you know, working with him. And yeah, that was a cool uh, after I did that. We did that record. I thought drum producer. What a cool <laughs> gig. Like, hey, you can hire me and I'll come and listen to you play drums and I'll give you feedback. Not, you know, I don't know who would have that in their budget, you know, once they pay for the regular producer. But I'm out there cutting a track with the band and then we do a pass and go, hey, let's go listen. And I come in and Pat's like, yeah, it's like, that was really cool. And I thought in this part, maybe, you know, if you went to the bell of the thing or, you you know, what if you tried to. And I'm like, he's already ahead of the game. I haven't heard it yet. I just played it. Yeah. You know, and he I got this world class drummer sitting there listening to me play. Uh huh these parts that either i came up with or he came up with or we came up with together a lot of times we like i you know they would play the song that re- doing that record was great because i was really how i prefer to work which is i had not did not hear any of the songs right. ahead of time so got in the studio all right what do we got they knew they they had passed some stuff back and forth so they all had things repaired but like paul would be like okay this is my song We would play we go cool and then he'd show it to billy and then billy and paul would play through it, and i'd sit there and play on my legs you know like tapping along and so then as we're going along pat would be like yeah yeah that's that's cool you know it, there were so many times when we were just like nodded like yeah so this the, the doodle boom yeah yeah got it, it's cool yeah <laughs> like we just were totally on the same page and that was great and for me it was very cool and just kind of affirming and validating like, yeah, you know, that's what he would have done. Awesome. And then there were other things where he would say like, what if he did this or, you know, there was, it was complete freedom to try whatever. And, um, but to have him just be in there and I'd come in and he, he already heard it, you know, and we yeah. would discuss and then, uh, you know, just, just do it. It was, it was a breeze. It was really a, such a pleasure. And, you know, They would have rather have had him playing drums on the record. He would have rather been playing drums. I would have rather he played drums on the Mr. Big record, but that's not the case. Mm -hmm. And so, despite the fact that it was a tough situation, what a cool opportunity and a real just pleasure to be doing that. That's like, you know, when I first rehearsed with them, he'd say, I I thought about this the other day. I had never played with Mr. Big without Pat Torpy standing uh more than five feet away from me yeah never uh-huh from day one he was standing right there <laughs> and i you know to some people that might be like jesus you know that'd be it was not intimidating because he was such a sweet guy yeah i don't think of things like that anyway i don't look at it like that and <laughs> it was just such a breeze but like halfway through the day he goes you know he had said like hey this you know this pattern's really cool he goes but you know I was actually doing this kind of this ghost note thing in here. I was like, oh, wow. And at one point, he goes, you know, he goes, I- I'm sorry to just be like, you know, I- I'm not overloading you. I go, dude, if you put up online right now, you can come play drums with Mr. Big for a day and Pat Torpy will stand there and, and like show you the parts. Yeah. How much would someone pay to do that? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, I go this and I'm getting paid to do this. So I'm like, please, these are your parts. I'm just here to help. And, uh, but he was just such, I mean, I don't know a lot of guys that could do that, that could stand there while and watch somebody else play their songs with their band and play their parts, you know, and just be so gracious and cool. And we just had a real, I, 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 I know the feeling was mutual, but you know, just had a, what I thought was just such a, genuine friendship and and a lot of fun together was it was really such a special experience
0: that's amazing man that's so great and for for any listener that doesn't know i mean pat was dealing with parkinson's is that that's correct
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah um i'm trying to think i think it was mid 2018 when he passed away um,
1: yeah, I think it was February, actually. Okay. I think for some reason, yeah. Yeah,
0: it wasn't too long after our interview, but I am so thankful that we had a chance to, to speak, and I had a chance to see Mr. Big for the first time in 1993, <laughs> 1994 nice. on, a, on a Rush tour, and uh, oh, yeah. I was not there to see an opening band. I was there to see Rush, and sure. when he came out and boy, talk about fluidity. I'm like, I'm liking this guy and I'm feeling really bad about it, but I really like this guy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would, I say like, dude, I go, how the fuck did you play those parts and <laughs> smile the whole time? <laughs> you know, I, I call him, I said, you're the, you're the, the Hugh Beaumont of rock, and that's that's the that's the dad on Leave It to Beaver. I was gonna
0: say you're dating yourself, Matt. Come
1: on, yeah, totally. Which he he would always laugh because he knew it was a comment because Hugh Beaumont was a super handsome guy with a great head of hair, so he knew I what know. I was saying. He did, but it's oh, like okay. he would just he just had that beautiful smile, and he just sitting there he's playing this crazy shit, and he's smiling the whole time. Mm-hmm. I mean, never had the look of concentration on his face. He's not like biting his lip or biting his tongue you know when someone's really thinking hard like a kid's trying to figure out a math problem he just was up there smiling and it just set the tone for the band too um which was really a you know just one of those things that he you know you just either got it or you don't and you know he had that
0: it's such a great band and it's been a joy to watch you uh, play with them and and watching a lot of videos these last couple weeks, uh, and it's you do such a great job, man. And having seen them with Pat, and now see see them with you, there's still just a lot of joy with such a heavy band and such a great, great, uh, great band. Yeah, thank you. Hey, do you know uh, John Zacco? He was a guitar tech, I believe. <coughs> of course. Okay. John and I worked together uh, for a number of years before he started doing tech work, and now his son is at the School of the Arts with my son, both do, doing guitar work, which is just crazy to me. But I, I was just—I'm just realizing that. i was like, wait a minute, you must know John Zocco. That's great.
1: I do. Yeah, John was awesome, and I and I saw John when I was—we came through with Ace Freely through Nashville, and I spent a few days there, and then the Winery Dogs were playing. Yeah. And and so it was me and Zocco and Troy Lucchetta from Tesla. And Uh I can't remember who else, but there was a bunch of people like, shit, this is awesome. I love Nashville. It's like everybody I know is just hanging out. So, yeah, John's John's great. Great tech and a great photographer.
0: He is. He is. He did some work with us on a couple episodes early on when we started and uh, made sure that uh, we got the word out about his talent. In talking about the studio work and and this is great this is a great subject because you are talking about coming into the studio and with with Mr. Big in particular, not hearing the song beforehand, but having to create the parts and being creative. So any situation where you need to be extra creative, I want to tell you about um, a TED talk from 2007 that caught my ear last week. And this guy is talking about cultivating creativity. Uh, it, it's from a 2007 TED Talk, and he is this guy who believes that every person is born with creativity. But, and you know, we talked about this before, young people just not being afraid. He has got a great story about a, a little girl who is in a drawing class. And the teacher comes up to her and says, hey, what are you drawing? And she says, uh, I'm drawing a picture of God. And she goes, H- hmm. honey, nobody knows what God looks like. And the little girl says, Well, they will in a minute.
1: <laughs> awesome. I love it. So it's
0: young people just taking chances, not being afraid to be wrong.
1: God, that story's so beautiful.
0: It is, it is. It is wonderful. And it it's a reminder of the challenge that I'm having at this place in my life where I'm afraid to be wrong. I'm afraid to make mistakes. Where when I was 17, 19, 20, I was not afraid and I was taking bigger chances and my creativity was growing by leaps and bounds behind the drum set. As a drummer who is mostly self-taught from what I understand about you, Mm -hmm. um, how do you cultivate creativity in your playing?
1: So I listened to a lot of records. And I still do. I have about 3,000 records here, like vinyl records. And I listen to those records over and over and over again. I can still do that. If, like, there, if there's a track that just really gets me excited, I can listen to it 10, 15 times in a row. Yeah. And, and really pull it apart. Really pull it apart and understand why. Why does this song work? You know, what makes this song work? And so having that that kind of catalog of stuff, it gives you instincts, for one. There's really only, like, three drum beats. There's really only, like, two or three fills, and, like, one of those sucks. So it's like, it's (laughs) just when you get right down to it, it's like, you kind of, you know, I hear some somebody plays me their song and then I go, yeah, you know, it's nice when it surprises you, but you can generally figure out where it's going to go. And that's a good thing because it means that it's, you know, the best stuff is like, this sounds familiar, but I've never heard it before.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, like it feels comfortable, but it's, it's, it's already, it's, but it's like, I need to hear it again. So understanding that, and, and just standing song structure and understanding, you know, certain kick patterns and, and things that are just going to work or they're not going to work, you know,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the different things that you can do, you can do the snare on the two and the four, you can do it on the one, two, three, four, you can do it on the one and the three, you can do it on the four, you can do it on, you know, there's a few things and that's about it. Otherwise write a new song, you know, like <laughs> if it's like, if none of those work, something's up with this vocal yeah you know so so just having it like that catalog of 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 songs and i'm still listening still listening so like i'll listen to abba and i'll listen to iron maiden i'll listen to you know you know little richard and and listen to you know the Bee Gees, and free and humble pie and kiss and what it just if it's a good song i'm in you know Mm -hmm. i'm totally i'm totally in so um you hear what other people do, and then again, knowing what that vocal is, what's the song about? You know, sounds like a love song, but actually, uh, in that third chorus, you changed a word, and I think you're actually passive aggressive in mm-hmm. this song. <laughs> That's going to affect how I play. yeah, you know what I mean. Um, so understanding like where it's coming, where they're coming from lyrically and they may or may not be aware of that themselves you know what i mean to a degree they might but so that's going to also inform how i play um so all of that and then if i'm stuck if something's not just naturally coming up and up for me Mm -hmm. then i have my what would ringo do right what would john bonham do what would mickey curry do those are my three Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and that and if that if that doesn't help me, then I kind of go. Well, then, okay. What would Bill Ward do? Because mm. Bill would really sometimes do some really, you know, experimental stuff and go go way out of the way out of bounds with things. Just really follow the guitar. But and that's kind of my thing. So I mean, that's more the theoretical approach. And then the logistics is I'm going to listen to the song. Are we coming in on downs or ups? Is each section starting on a downbeat or is it starting on an up? Let's get that out of the way, you know? Okay. And then what are the guitar, what's, if, you know, I play rock mostly. So it's like, what are the guitars doing? What's the strumming pattern? And do I want to follow that or can I plow straight through it? Can I come up with a groove that sort of acknowledges some of the guitar rhythms, but doesn't play it exactly? The guitar players want you to play exactly what they play. That sounds like guitar music. It's no, it, I don't like it, right? But that's I've i have had that happen with different guitar players. Go, yeah, I'm going do do do. So I want you to go buta beat up. I was like, let me just come up with the drums, but yeah, do the guitars. Does
0: that ha- has that happened with Mr. Big at times?
1: No, because because they had a they had a template essentially, mm-hmm. and so you know like I said what Pat would do is he'd plow through when they were playing, you know right, right. thirty second notes. He would <laughs> he would come up there's a song called Around the World and there's there's a a line with the guitars that goes like And so Pat's going so he's kinda he's playing this really, you know, kind of Motowny groove behind this fucking virtuoso madness that's going on Mm -hmm. then there's other times where the drums and the guitar would play exactly the same thing and that's really effective too there was a song called um uh it was actually about um getting your teeth drilled of course paul wrote it (laughs) into the underground yeah and it was like Can't remember. And it's a triplet thing. Oh yeah. And Paul wrote the lick, and then he wrote the drum part too, and and that's exactly with it. So that that's a different thing. But sometimes it's like if it's through the whole song. Yeah. 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 It's like it's like, dude, we gotta get a singer in here because there's just too much going on. You know, there's just too much too much stuff happening. But so I uh, so am but I'm looking at again where are the ups and the downs. Cause you could go through a whole song and if you know that this chorus happens on an up and then all the other parts are downs, you can, you can go through that and it's gonna feel pretty darn good if it's a if it's a decent song. Yeah. You know? But then I will listen for something somewhere to come up with some sort of hook. You know, so if in one of the choruses I go to gretun, dang chorus, okay, then maybe I start the song with that T-tun. Gotcha. You know, uh-huh. so how can I come up not fucking do Yeah, that's ain't gonna that's too much, you know. Yeah. But what is there something in the song that sort of makes sense that Goes with a lyric or something, then I'll, I'll, can can I repeat that somewhere else? And then that becomes a part. Like it's like they say in jazz, you know, or like you make a mistake, just repeat it. (laughs) Right, right. And it's like, oh, it's a thing. I I meant to do that, you know? So it's that kind of thing where it's like, oh, that was a thing. Okay, let me just, let me, let me do that again. Let me see if I can repeat that. And some, look, some songs you can do the same fill to set up every chorus and and it gets better and better. Other songs, you do one, and then the second one you build, and the third one you build even more. And then the listeners like, "Oh, what's he going to do now?" And that's that's a thing too. That's a, that's a cool approach. That's like very much like a Neil Peart
0: thing. I was just going to say that. Yeah, 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 for sure.
1: Yeah, you know, and there's different drummers, or you just do three fills that are sort of in the same family, mm-hmm. but they're all different. Mm-hmm. But there's not really like a thought out thing. They're just kind of just kind of bopping along. It's like the drummer for Foreigner was great at that. I can't remember his name. Off the top of my head, but he's just kind of like rolling along. It feels great. It's rocking. It's cool. But there's not like themes or definite things that repeat. You know,
0: Steve. Steve Jordan does that. There's been a couple uh, Nashville sessions that uh, he's done where I hear him play like the same fill over and over, but it works so well. And I'm like, of course. Why would you not do that, Phil? I want to hear it again. Um,
1: it, right. You got to you got to be willing to cross the line. Mm-hmm, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I saw King X. And they would do like, they would do a part and they'd repeat it. Like at the end of a song, like they'd repeat some sort of lick and they do it again and again and again. So like once you're like, cool. Twice you're like, okay. Three, you're like, okay, cool. Four times you're like, uh, okay. Five, you're like, oh, Jesus, getting long. Six, you're like, oh, wait a second. Seven, you're like, oh, hell yeah. And then by eight, you're like, don't, stop. I don't want it to end. Then it turns into something. But you need to make it so deliberate that you're like, no, no, no we're doing this. This is in, totally intentional. You know what I mean? So yeah, like with the Jordan thing where you're like, I'm going to do one fill and I'm going to do it all throughout the, you know, Yeah. well, it's like into the night, Benny Madonna against show age. <laughs> and that's, um, uh, what's this, uh, Sandy Gennaro on drums. Oh, cool. Yeah. And it starts off, right. And it's a single headed Tom, no bottom head. You can hear the go go when he hits it. Yeah. But, that's the whole thing. That's the only fill he does. He does a he does a build at one point. Mm-hmm. But there's nothing else. And and I talked to him about that track, and he goes, Yeah, you know, I did that fill. And the producer said, Hey, you know, Sandy, that fill you do, he goes, do it every single time. He uh-huh. goes, We're gonna make a we're gonna make a hook out of that.
0: I think this you know, wake, wake up, little Susie is like that. It's like wake up. It might be that. So it might be another song. I, I, it, it's escaping me. Something from the fifties, but it's got every time. Yeah. Oh. Um. Um. Never
1: knew I felt like this till I kissed you. Uh huh. I kissed
0: you. Yeah. It's 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 almost compositional. In, totally. In, in nature. It sounds like, to me, you're not only, you're letting your listening time inform you. You're also letting the music, when you're creating your drum part for the session, for the gig, inform you as well. It's almost like, uh, you know, uh, when Miles Davis yelled at Coltrane for practicing before the gig. It's like, don't play that shit. You play it on stage. Like, that is... There is an element of improvisation.' We've, we've kind of been on this kick recently in, in recent interviews when we've we've talked about this idea of improvisation to as not being something and not being an idea reserved only for the jazz musician, the jazz drummer, or whatever, or the, the jam band drummer. It's for all of us. It's all It's, it's a skill set that I think is important for all of us because when you're in the studio, when you're creating, when you're being an artist, and you're creating, there's an element of creativity. There's an element of, excuse me, an element of improvisation that is important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot of times when I you see younger guys, like if they go to a jam and stuff, they're just running down fill number one. <laughs> crazy, crazy fill number two. I'm like, you're not listening to anybody, man. You know, so yeah, yeah that's some yeah. adult shit. You know, I, I had an, <laughs> to, to quote your buddy. I had a band that I played with when I was about 22 and they gave me a cassette. <laughs> Let me show you when that was. And, um, it was an Edison wheel, it had,
0: Matt. It was an Edison wheel. Uh, of, yeah,
1: exactly. <laughs> and they, they, um, they had st- some stuff I was familiar with, but there, there was grand funk, um, Johnny Winter, humble pie, some Hendrix, Nazareth. Um, yeah, and just stuff like that. And so what we would do is we would jam. And if you listen to Zeppelin, they do this, where it's like, okay, we get into this part and it's just going to go as long as it goes. But like the middle of the jam of Heartbreaker, you know, mm-hmm. pages, blah, 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 you know, the fast part. And then at some point he goes, <laughs> and then you're out. Mm-hmm. but until then yeah go for it have fun yeah. could turn into a halftime thing could but you don't know how to do that unless you've done it and sure. so that served me well too because <clears throat> you know we'll do something and be playing with somebody and the singer won't come in yet and i've seen this, you know like playing with ace we did it was like a couple months ago we were playing something first verse playing and i I look, and, oh, no, we're doing the song She. And there's a guitar solo in the middle, and we're on this groove. And then I see him, and he's taking his jacket off. So I'm like, (laughs) I just, like, the guitar player looked at him, I just shook my head like, no, don't don't go anywhere. Just wait.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Like, we don't go there until he goes, brown, 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 you know, we, that's, let's do this, and then it's the next part. And the next part happens when it happens, and we don't do anything until it happens. Yeah, yeah that's kind of the the jam and again that's listening it's really important listening and and I get you know I have a thing I've been doing over the last few years and um which is like playing a fill after the first line of the last chorus so like you're coming out of the solo mm-hmm. and then you do a fill at, and I think it's I'm trying to remember who the hell did it uh it'll come to me I mean you know a few guys have d- have done it, and it's something like i can't remember who did it uh ah, and' it's 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 in those records against the wall that I'm looking at right now, but it's like it just propels it along, you know what I mean, so it's like you're coming out of the and then you go into the chorus, boom blah 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 blah, blah. it it's like and take that. <laughs> you know, it does. It, it doesn't just settle you in to that to that last chorus, and you kind of cruise out. It's like you carry that momentum from the solo or the bridge or whatever. Yeah, like, yeah. But that's something that sounds. It's it is spontaneous, but it sounds spontaneous. You know what I mean? And it just kind of keeps people. Some people get nervous. They're like, "Oh, that fills in the middle of the chorus. I'm like, "Yeah, I know." It's okay, sorry, <laughs> right. but I'll always to look look to. Is there a line or a word I can hit a crash on in, in one of the verses, preferably the second verse, yeah. where I can accent something to just react like a key, what Keith Moon would do, or the way he would react to the vocal? Is there something that I can do to just just kind of shake the listener up, you know, Because if it's, if it's too steady that's one thing but steady like having a repetitive thing like an ACDC thing that that works in its own way but sometimes if it's too steady you just kind of got to break it up you know with just a random crash or whatever
0: this episode is brought to you by drumsellers.com the niche marketplace where drummers drum retailers and drum manufacturers buy and sell their gear list your drums for sale for free and the only fee is four percent if it sells simple Check out all the new used vintage and custom drum eye candy at drumsellers.com.
1: You know, I do have a good intuition, and and I also did things kind of wrong for, like, the first few decades of my life. And so, like, I knew what I wanted to do when I was eight years old. I saw, you know, I opened up, my neighbor had a copy of Kiss Alive, too. I opened up that record, the Gene Simmons with blood all over them and there's sparks and flames. And I'm just like, fuck, yeah. Like, I don't even know what this is, but just yes. Such language for a
0: seven-year-old man. Really? <laughs>
1: right. <laughs> <laughs> and I just, you know, I was a born rock and roller and I never felt that before or since. Like the way I even still, if I look at the inside of that record, I'm just like, hell yes. <laughs> you know, yeah. like I'm down. And yeah, look, I'm studying. I can listen to Stravinsky and blah, 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 but kiss rules, you know, and fire is awesome. And blood is cool. Like it just, it hit me at a level that just, just blew me away and I knew exactly what I was here to do. And, you know, even though I didn't understand that it was a career and a life path and all this stuff, I just was like, yes. And so um, but I got into my thirties and I had done some stuff. And again, I was, I was talented. I knew I was capable of, of of doing the job, but it wasn't happening. It was really frustrating. And I was coming up on 40 and I it was, you know, just really at a crossroads. It was a pretty dark time. Honestly, it was depressing. I was, I was frustrated, but it, and I'm not the kind of guy to blame the industry or blame other people. I was kind of just saying like blaming myself, you know, and just mm-hmm. feeling bad about it. And, turning that inward. And that wasn't, that wasn't good. Um, and I said, you know what, it must be me, you know, and and not in a beat myself up way, but like, I'm the common denominator here. So I just, just started asking a lot of questions of the most successful musicians I could find. And I stepped out of my comfort zone. And for the first time in my life, I said three words that I had never said before, which is, I don't know. Mm. I don't know the answer. I thought I knew it you know, just follow your dreams, man. And it'll work out. Well, that's what I did. It didn't work out. So it's gotta be something else. What do these people have that I don't have? And I got a lot of clarity. And then, you know, within a year I went from playing in bars and, and doing, you know, doing that, which is an accomplishment in itself. Cause there's a lot of people who would, their dream would be to be able to quit their job and just, you know, pay their bills by playing in bars. So if that's their dream, that's awesome. But for me, I wanted more And, uh, you know, within a year I was playing with Ace Frehley and then that was the beginning of this whole journey. So then my drum clinics and my drum lessons, there'd be a lot of questions. How'd you get the gig with so-and-so? How'd you get the gig with so-and-so? And And sometimes that's an interesting story, but what the people were asking me really is how can I get the gig with Mm -hmm. so-and-so? Sure. And I'm like, well, (laughs) you don't, I'm guessing if there's a list of things you need to work on, paradiddles is not one of them. You know, and so what can I help what can be the greatest uh help I can offer here? And I'm like, I gotta just tell it straight, man. Like I had my head up my ass and I was I was arrogant and I, I had the ability. I had enough ability. I thought I needed to be a better drummer, and yeah, I'm always wanting to be a better drummer. But that wasn't the issue because there are guys who aren't as good as as me or who weren't as good as me who had gigs. So I go, Okay, that's not it. Yeah. You know, and it's not about looking at someone going, "I could do that gig, but just genuinely like, you know how good you are. You know, could you do that gig? Yes, I could. I do a great job. Right. Okay, good. But why don't you have that gig or something like
0: it? Right. You know,
1: or there's somebody doing not as good of a job as you and they're making twice the money. Well, what's up with that? You know, and don't say it's not about the money because only people that don't have money say that, (laughs) you know, make the money. It, there's it's not money or integrity. You know, my heroes Keith Richards, Jimmy Page, David Bowie, they got both. It's fine. One doesn't cancel out the other one. Right. right. So but what's what's that there's a gap there. And so what's that gap about? You know, so it, I had to look at my mindset and then and then look at my emotional roadblocks, the stuff that was preventing me from from receiving I was creating opportunities and then I was sabotaging them. Well, why? Cause I didn't want to receive it. Well, what's that about? So like, oh, great. That's not Let's look at that crap, you know, but that's the stuff that I had to walk through. And you know, when I did my life changed and it changed in a very short time. You know, I had reached out to a lot of drummers, a lot of them are, who are friends of mine. They've been very, very generous with, you know, with answering questions in their time. And then, you know some guys i talked to or they were like further along than me but they were still making their way and then a year later they were like what the hell are you doing you i never heard of you you reached out to me 6 months ago and now you're like doing these gigs and touring all around the world what are you doing and i realized oh i think i, I stumbled onto something and i was able to articulate what i was doing cuz some guys just they got it right and they they don't know Why? They're just like, I don't know. I just, I hang out. I do gigs. I do work. I'm nice to people. I get work. Hey, it's like, okay. I mean, there's wisdom in that, but they don't have to think about it. I had to think about it. It did not come natural. I'm not a people person. I would rather stay home, listen to records and not talk to anybody. So I have to really make an effort to do this. And, And people say, Oh, you're, you know, you seem like comfortable on camera. It's like, I'm just more focused on sharing the information than I am about whether or not my mustache is crooked, which it probably usually is. You know what I mean. But that could ruin yeah. me. I mean, that could literally, if I wanted to focus on that, I could go. Oh, this is a bad take because you know, at one point I close my eye. You know, whatever, man. So anyway, that's that's what happened with the coaching stuff, and and there's a need for that. And I think you know, musicians are willing to invest in in their drumming or their you know their instrument. They get a you know a good piece of gear or they learn how to play it. But if you've got the You know, you've got the great drum setter, you've got the Les Paul guitar, and you know all the licks, and you, you know, you look pretty cool, and you look like the kind of people that play the music that you play. What's up with the, how come you don't have the gigs? Mm -hmm. What's missing? Again, you think it's more scales, or you need to get a better cable, or you need to get that signature Babinga snare drum? Is that the, you think that's the missing piece? Mm -hmm. You know? No. No. So, you know. But... a self-improvement is kind of not typically on the list of you know musicians thing a lot of other people will invest in, in having like a business coach you know business owner but a lot of times musicians don't think of it like that but why not
0: I think it's having respect for the fact that this is a job this is what you do and it's like that you if you're waiting for someone to give you respect for choosing this you know in our society this non-traditional career you're going to be waiting forever you need to just treat it with just the utmost respect and 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 be serious about it.
1: Uh, yeah, and there's a certain amount of just it's a beautiful incredible thing in our business. It's magic, man. Like you're sitting there one day and you got a situation and then the phone rings, you go hello and they go, "Hi, I'm the manager for so and so and you've been referred to us by" and boom, in a week your life just changed. Right. That is so exciting and amazing and that's that doesn't happen in in, you know, in the accountant field. <laughs> You know what I mean? It doesn't happen, you know, for people who drive trucks for a living. You know what I mean? That happens in our business all the time. So I think there's a certain, uh, you know, a certain amount of like just, well, you know, I just, I'm just going to be a good musician and good things are going to happen. And it's like, well, maybe. And if that's working for you, cool. Yeah. But the way you know if it's working for you is look at your calendar, look at your bank account and Google yourself. And see what comes up. I mean, that's the answer. And if it's working, awesome. You got it. Cool. Yeah. You don't need me. You know, but if it's not working, you deserve to live it. And it's not just for somebody else. It's not like, well, that guy's lucky or you know, th- that's the other bit is that rather than own it, people will blame the industry or the economy or the president or their town or the business or this or that or their age or their wife or and it's like, dude, nope. 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 You know, I was married. I had a wife. I was coming in my forties. I had all the, I had all the same reasons. So it's, it's not that. So don't start telling, they start telling a story, you know, and then they get around other people that tell the same story. Well, cool. You're not going to have to evolve because they're just going to agree with you. You know, I have guys, the guys that say the music industry is messed up. The majority of them are not part of the music industry.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: They own a guitar you know, they 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 own a set of drums. They play on the weekends. I, you know, if if Jimmy Iovine wants to talk about how messed up the music industry is, okay, sure, I'll listen to that. Mm-hmm. You know, if Alice Cooper wants to tell me how he's seen it change over the years, yeah, sure, I'm open to hearing what he has to say. Sure. You know, but some guy going, oh, the business, blah, 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 you know, you don't know, you know, you don't know. You,
0: you may have answered this question already, but is there a common issue? that you find people are having and keeping them from achieving their goals?
1: Um, I I think it's a two, it's like the two sides of the same coin. It's like, it's, it's their ego, you know, it's the arrogance, like they're not willing to do the stuff that it's going to take to get them to where they need to be. And then also like, they are doing the like, apologize for their existence thing. Mm -hmm. So they're afraid you know and so then they that kind of flips like well you know why am i going to go there why am i going to do this blah, blah blah and it's like well again how's how's it working for you so yeah it's kind of this it's it's two different sides of the same the same coin
0: gotcha yeah
1: you know yeah and, and i think i would say too, i mean it's it's not having a clear idea it's not ever really having claimed what they want you know, cause a lot of times when I sit down with people, I go, well, so what's, you know, after we kind of say hello and do that, I go, so what's the, what's the thing? What do you, what do you, well, I just want, I said, nope, take the word just out. Don't, I'm not going to hear that. You're paying me way too much money to sit here and, and have you, you know, mince, you know, yeah, like being, I go, I'm not arguing with you. You're paying me to tell you that you can live your dreams. So now you're just, and, but if I just, I just want to, I said, no, what do you want to do? Yeah. Okay. I want to do this. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm no, I mean, you know, well, I I know that the business is really competitive. Stop. (laughs) Tell me what you imagine going to a restaurant. What do you want? Well, I know the cook's really busy and (laughs) the the waiter would be like, fuck off. You know, I'm not going to waste my time with you, man. (laughs) And that's what the universe is like. The universe is just here to take your order. So to get somebody, and then they usually go, okay, you know what it is you, you really want to hear? It? I go, yeah, yeah. The the one that you feel stupid for saying in public. That's what I want to hear. So most people never really even either get in touch with that or say it out loud or admit it to themselves for whatever reason, whatever belief, whatever fear, whatever da 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 da, da they have. They never even just say, I would like a hamburger medium rare with a side of fries and they're sitting there wondering why they're hungry. It's like, well, you never told anybody anything, man.
0: Right, right. You
1: know, you had this, this inner dialogue that just went on and on, and second-guessing whether you should get a dill pickle or a gherkin. I, you know, it's like, come on, man.
0: I love that you say, recognize when you know you're doing good work. Because, not that you need validation, but... If you're dealing with a lot of uh, outside negativity or things that could interfere with uh, w- with your mood, your performance, knowing when you're kicking ass is, uh, it sounds like, to me, is just as important as knowing when, well, i got to get this groove together. So the guitar player didn't notice it, and the crowd obviously didn't notice it. They thought it was kick-ass, but I know tomorrow what I'm going to be doing.
1: Yeah, well, I think it's it's yeah because if you're always looking for the thumbs up, you know. Then, you know, you may not always get that. That doesn't mean anything is wrong. I mean, I, I had to walk through that myself because I'm frequently the new guy. So they go, "Hey, man, great to meet you." And then you do something, you go, "Wow, I love how you did that." And then you do the first few shows, you're like, "Wow, you killed it!" Or rehearsal, like, "Holy shit, you didn't make a mistake!" Like, "Wow, you're so prepared." So all these kudos, and I'm the center of attention. Yeah right. And then we get out there, we start doing gigs, 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 gigs. And afterwards, everyone's like, "Hey man, cool show." And I'm like, "Wait, aren't you going to tell me I'm honeymoon. extra, super special, awesome?"
0: The honeymoon is over.
1: Yeah, and it's not that anyone takes you for granted. It's just like, yeah, you're in the band, you're you're the guy. Cool. Okay, yeah. that's why you're here. Yeah. But then I I I've had scenarios where I've gotten insecure, and I'm like, well, they're not like making a big fuss over me anymore. And it's like, sure. Yeah cuz you're just in the mix. Yeah. You know, I don't think I don't know that John uh, that Jamie Page made a big fuss over John Paul Jones <laughs> by ni- by 1975, you know what I mean? It's just like yeah, you're the guy. Now let's just get to work, you know.
0: Right. We talk about cigars and other things. Yeah, exactly. Your name came up years ago. Well, just in general, but also when I first started the podcast, J.C. Clifford was another guy that uh, oh, mentioned yeah. your name, awesome. and I had him as a, finally had him as a guest. But he's been a great friend and great supporter of of what we do, and um, you've just been on my list forever. And um, I'm so honored to have you on here, and just everything you talk about is 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 going to be so relevant to to a lot of people. And I, I just appreciate your time, man.
1: Well, thank you, man. I really appreciate, you know, you reaching out to me and uh, the opportunity to chat and then to uh, to connect with your audience. Yeah. And, uh, and to just, you know, like we're all out here kind of winging it. So to just share whatever I've learned, and if it can help somebody or affirm something for someone or clarify something, that's... That's that's really like that gives the deeper purpose to everything. You know?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I hope we get a chance to meet in person. Um,
1: yeah, we got to burn a cigar.
0: It totally man. Uh, we have a lot of mutual friends. And um, of course, uh, in our show notes, we'll have links and all those things to point people in in your direction and what you do and what you offer. And I hope that works works out well. Um, but man, thank you yeah good luck in your travels enjoy your family time it sounds it sounds great
1: it's really such a rewarding thing and i wouldn't bother telling anyone without kids because when i didn't have kids i was like i oh, shut up i don't care about kids. <laughs> but it's really i mean it just yeah you want to grow create another life that you're responsible oh
0: for. my god that's serious adulting right there
1: yeah yeah major
0: yeah i love it man i love it yeah it's it's and it only gets better man it's just
1: I'm glad to hear that. Are you are you coming out for Nam?
0: You know, I was. I I've, I had a couple shows and and the band was going to get me in, and it just, it just turned into a logistic nightmare. And so just a few days ago, they said, "Listen, we're having problems. You know what? Just just fly me back. I'm fine." Because I was only going to be able to get there Sunday, and
1: um, I got it. Yeah.
0: yeah so unfortunately, no.
1: Okay. Bummer. Well, we'll keep in touch. I'll be in Nashville. I'm sure, you know, yeah. by the halfway mark and you come out of here, we'll work it out, but thank you. And then, yeah, let me know when everything's up and running and we'll, we'll blast it out there and tell everybody. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Matt. I appreciate you, dude. Well, safe travels okay. and uh, we'll speak soon.
1: Okay. Thanks. Have a good one.
0: Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. So there you have it. My conversation with Matt Starr. Matt seems to have tapped into a strategy that's worked for him over time. And he has such a teaching spirit about him that it's great that he shares this stuff with us. That's worked so well for him. And I think uh, pulling a lot of these concepts will work well for all of us. So I thank Matt so much for sharing that. Again, go to mattstarmusic.com to see more of the things that Matt is doing and what he offers. Stay tuned next week for Zach's interview with Harold H.B. Brown. He tours with Jacob Banks and some CCM acts like Crowder and House Fires. As we mentioned at the top of the show, January 25th here in Brentwood, Tennessee. If you are in town in Nashville, come see Zach and I at 1 p.m. at Lane Music, where we will be doing our presentation on all things music and music business, along with a couple great drum clinics from Jeff Brown and Jared Pope. Thanks so much to Ben Hands and Lane Music for involving us in this. We thank you so much for listening, and I hope to see you around. Bye-bye.